KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. San Diego County might be moved into the state's purple, most restrictive COVID-19 tier. Data released yesterday for San Diego County was above the threshold set for infection rates by the governor. If this happens again, the county will get moved into the purple tier and many San Diego businesses will be limited to outdoor operations only. Supervisor Nathan Fletcher has his doubts that next week's numbers will improve. We'll have to wait until next week to see what our numbers are next week. Uh, But it would take a significant change in trajectory uh, given everything that we've been witnessing over the course uh, of the last month uh, in order for us to avoid that. Any restrictions wouldn't go into effect until a week from Friday. Democrat Tara Lawson-Reamer has been declared the winner in the race for Supervisor District 3, defeating incumbent Republican Kristen Gaspar. Reamer says her priorities will be reopening schools and daycares and building affordable housing close to where people live and work. When it comes to the pandemic, she says the county should focus on finding ways to reopen places that serve children. It's really not only um, important for working parents to be able to have their children in school, um, and it's a massive drag on our whole economy uh, when when parents um, aren't able to send their kids to school or daycare. Uh, It also is disproportionately impacting women. I mean, we're seeing women dropping out of the workforce in droves. Reamer's victory in the election means the San Diego Board of Supervisors will have a Democratic majority after decades of Republican control. It's Thursday, November 5th. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. In some good news, federal officials say it was a relatively calm election day at the local polls. The Department of Justice was on alert for possible voter fraud, voter intimidation, or cyber hacking by a foreign power. Assistant U.S. Attorney Christopher Tenorio says his office didn't have much to deal with. I do think it was a typical election as far as the uh, low level of issues that we at least saw reported. Now, we did receive more calls, but it's also because more people were aware of uh, someone that was available to call. He says his office boosted staff to help deal with potential cyber hacking, but he says that threat never materialized. Republican Daryl Issa is maintaining a five-point lead over Democrat Amar Kampanajar in the race for the 50th Congressional District. That district covers much of East County and part of Temecula. Even with some votes still left to count, Issa is now celebrating a return to Congress. 
Outside his campaign office in Vista on Wednesday, Issa promised, despite the close race, to champion conservative values. He also said a top priority is rebuilding the economy. Issa was previously in Congress for 18 years. He says he's looking forward to again working with the San Diego County delegation to address the region's needs. The continued problem at the Mexican border with sewage, uh, our, our congestion that needs more highway funds and a number of other issues that are more nuanced like uh, high-tech immigration reform and so on. Campanajar has not conceded the race. Two ballot measures aiming to create new housing opportunities in the North County had very different outcomes in this week's election. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has details. Oceanside residents have rejected Measure L, which would have created the North River Farms project. A majority of residents chose to keep the existing commercial farms instead of the proposed 585 new homes, an 88-acre farm, and proposed roadway changes. Although it is a win for no on L, the campaign's Kathy Carbone says the developers could reapply to try again in a year. So if you're on city council and you green light this project again after the people have told you, hey, we don't want it, then we have a problem there with the individual city council members. In Poway, voters approved the farm development by passing Measure P. The project will take the deteriorating Stone Ridge Country Club and transform it into 160 new homes, 70 acres of open space, and several amenities available to Poway residents. With the approved ballot measure, Aaron McKinley with the farm says the current fire hazards will be their first target in the project. We promised the citizens that we are going to clear and demo within 90 days of the election being validated and cleaning up the fire hazards. McKinley says they expect some model homes and amenities will be available by the end of 2022. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. The race for San Diego mayor is still too close to call, but Democrat State Assemblyman Todd Gloria has a healthy double-digit lead over Democrat City Councilwoman Barbara Bree, despite the polls depicting a rather tight race. KPBS Midday Edition host Allison St. John spoke with KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen, who's been closely following the race and a few other races in the city. So what do we know about the, the status of the mayor's race? Well, as you said, we know Todd Gloria has a fairly comfortable lead. Uh, It's currently, as we speak, uh, just over 56% to Breeze just under 44%. We know that, um, you know, when the first results were posted, those were the mail-in ballots, the early votes in person. He had a slightly bigger lead, just over 57%. So his uh, share of the vote has narrowed ever so slightly, even less than one percentage point as more votes were counted. And that could continue to happen as the votes uh, continue to be counted. Um, But, you know, we also know that the share of the overall votes that were counted on election election night was expected to be larger because so many people voted early and and, and uh, by mail. So I think that um, you know if you're Todd Gloria right now you're you're feeling pretty good. Huh. But going into this race, polling showed that these candidates were running virtually neck and neck. Why do you think the polls didn't capture what actually happened? 
Well, beyond the fact that that accurate polling is really difficult to do nowadays, I think what it likely means is that um, you know most of the polls showed uh, at least a third of city voters undecided as of um, October, and what this likely means is that most of those undecided voters ended ended up voting for Todd Gloria, and I, that's not all that surprising given that he had a lot of really big institutional backing and big name endorsements. So if you're a Democratic voter and you don't know much about either of the mayoral candidates and one of the candidates, Todd Gloria, is endorsed by the county party, endorsed by Senator Kamala Harris and other big name Democrats, he might seem like the safer bet. But um, both mayoral candidates are Democrats, but they were appealing to really different voters. Talk about their campaign strategies and how their approaches appear to have worked at this point. Yeah, well, uh, Councilmember Bree really painted herself as an outsider, as an independent-minded Democrat, uh, sort of anti-establishment, and she was really reaching out to more conservative voters in some of the positions she was taking and the issues that she was talking about. She really wanted to build a coalition of Democrats who were upset with the the direction of the county party, Republicans, and independents. It, uh, you know, it, it, one thing we might learn now is um, Republicans Republicans in the city uh, are are maybe not the kingmaker that some people thought they would be. Uh, Democrats have a very big advantage in terms of voter registration. And also, it probably didn't help Barbara Bree that Scott Sherman, the Republican-endorsed candidate in the primary and a fellow city council member, said a few days before the election that he was voting for Todd Gloria. And he had some pretty uh, uh, unflattering things to say about council member Bree. Beyond that, I I think that there was probably a, a boost in progressive turnout, which may have worked in Todd Gloria's favor because many people were turning out uh, to vote against Donald Trump. Now, there are still more than 300,000 votes to be counted and we won't have updated results till tomorrow evening. Is it possible, though, that one of these candidates will make a statement before then? You know, we know that Todd Gloria is speaking to reporters this afternoon. Um, listening to what he said last night, he really stopped short of declaring victory. Um, here's a bit of what he said at that point. San Diego, because of you, we are poised to make history. While there are still votes to be counted, I believe that tonight is a night to celebrate. So, you know, you can hear Todd Gloria saying he's he's uh, feeling good about the race, not quite ready to declare victory as as so many more votes are left to be counted. Now, uh, Councilmember Bree is not expected to do any interviews or, or speak to reporters again today, but she put out a statement which essentially um, mirrors what she said last night, uh, which is this. We are behind, but there's still a lot of votes left to count. Uh, I remember that in the primary, we were behind on election night, and over the next few weeks, we made up the ground as more votes were counted. And Andrew, the city council races could be really significant too, because based on the people leading and the results we have at the moment, the council could become an eight-to-one Democratic majority. Any surprises in these races? 
I am a little bit surprised by the margins that we're seeing in the two city council races that had a Democrat versus Republican. The first being District 5. This is Scripps Ranch, Rancho Penasquitos, Rancho Bernardo. Uh, It's currently held by an independent who used to be a Republican, and he's termed out. So we have Democrat Marnie Von Wilpert uh, against Republican Joe Leventhal. Of course, these races are officially nonpartisan, although party affiliation does play a pretty big role in in local politics. Uh, Marnie Von Wilpert has also a double-digit lead in that district. It was once seen as the Republican stronghold. So, um, you know, if if the margins were closer at this point, if it were a tighter race, then I would say she might have reason to be worried that late, later counted votes would not be in her favor. But um, she's got a pretty comfortable lead, and that's a bit of a surprise to me. And then in District 7, we've got uh, Raul Campillo, a Democrat, uh, with an even bigger lead over the Republican in that race, Noli Zosa. So, you know, in terms of what an 8-1 Democratic majority on the city council would do, uh, we don't really know yet. I mean, they already have a 6-3 majority on the city council right now, and uh, they're obviously going to be capturing the mayor's race um, either way, the Democrats. So, uh, you know, perhaps it could be just more of a symbolic victory, a victory, um, you know, in terms of Democrats now are really taking over city government. Yeah, beginning to look like Sacramento. Now, San Diego City voters are, are also weighing in on five ballot measures. None of them have been called yet, but there are some pretty clear leads. Starting with Measure A, that one would raise taxes to fund affordable housing, and it's leading with 57% of the vote. It's leading with 57% of the vote, but that's not the two-thirds majority it needs. What are you taking away from that result? Well, I'm taking away that uh, it's really hard to raise taxes in San Diego, despite the bluing of the city, despite Democrats having an increasingly big uh, majority among voters. Uh, that two-thirds threshold in order to raise taxes for a specific purpose is uh, might just be insurmountable for the city at this point. There are too many Republicans and too many independents and too many Democrats, perhaps, that, that are averse to raising taxes uh, for, for a, a tax measure like this to actually make it across that two-thirds finish line. And Measure B would establish a police review board for the city with subpoena power, and it has a commanding lead with 75% of the votes. What are the voters saying here? I think they're saying they want more independent oversight of the police. Uh, This measure was certainly helped by the massive uh, wave of protest that we saw in the spring and summer uh, in favor of Black Lives Matter and things like that. And so, um, you know, it, it also, I think, says that you know, this, this, right, this, I'll say this measure is not a big surprise, the margin of victory, because even the police union had dropped its opposition to this measure. There was no statement in the voter uh, guide uh, against it. So uh, without any funded or organized opposition, Measure B seemed like a, a, an easy win for, for its supporters. And then Measure E would remove the 30-foot height limit in parts of the Midway District. That's the area around the sports arena. It's also leading with 57% of yes votes. That could mean a big change in that part of the city, right? 
Absolutely. Uh, it could mean more development in Midway. It could mean, uh, you know, the, the supporters really saw this as vital to the revitalization of that neighborhood, which is um, not the prettiest place in, in San Diego right now. Um, this measure also not a big surprise that it's winning uh, with such a big margin. It had the support of both the Republican and Democratic parties in San Diego County, a host of uh, of interest groups. So, uh, you know, the, the supporters there, I think, uh, were feeling pretty good and, and it's very likely to, to ultimately pass. That was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Allison St. John. And we should mention the other two city ballot measures. Measure C, which would require district-only elections for the San Diego Unified School Board, is leading with 69% of voters supporting the measure. And Measure D, which would allow San Diego Unified School Board to remove a board member, also looks like it will pass with 86% voting in favor. Stick with KPBS throughout today and and tomorrow, we're expecting to hear an update on the election results sometime this evening. KPBS will bring you the latest on radio, online, or on TV. Coming up on the podcast, the pandemic has some Department of Veteran Affairs clinics moving their emergency departments outside. We don't know if there's going to be a huge second wave all of a sudden. So while we have this process that veterans finally know is this is how it is for right now, we want to sustain that for right now. That story next, just after this break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The Department of Veteran Affairs Health System is welcoming back more patients after months of tight restrictions due to COVID-19. But VA clinics are reopening at a slower pace compared to many civilian health facilities. From Tampa, Stephanie Colombini reports for the American Homefront Project. You won't see rows of parked carts on the first floor of the Tampa VA's parking garage. Instead, hospital beds, computers, medication carts, and an x-ray machine. The pandemic has affected the way all health centers operate, but this is one of the few that's moved most of its emergency department outside. Patients with issues like a sprained ankle can actually receive treatment in the garage and never have to step foot inside the hospital. Dr. Timothy McGurk runs this operation. The goal of setting up this out here was to protect our very vulnerable patients inside and our staff. Tampa stands out even among other VA medical centers with its parking garage set up, but all of the agency's facilities are taking steps to prevent the spread of COVID-19. While many civilian health facilities have allowed patients to come in for routine care for months and even opened up for visitors, that's largely still off limits at many VAs. McGurk says VA patients are typically older and sicker than the general population, making potential outbreaks more dangerous. They have heart disease, they have kidney disease, they have lung disease. That makes them more at risk. Plus, we don't have any pediatrics here. We don't have young, healthy people for the most part. 62-year-old Navy veteran David Tootle pulled into the garage with severe back pain. Because of the pandemic, his other doctor's visits lately have been remote. 
telephone, but not video. I'm not techno like that. <laughs> While the VA has increased virtual care by about 1,500% since March, many veterans have been anxious to return to face-to-face -face visits. Some outpatient and specialty clinics that were shut down for months have gradually started welcoming patients who need hands-on procedures or can't use virtual care. Down the block from the main hospital, the Tampa VA's audiology clinic is offering drive-up hearing aid repair. Army Reserve veteran Michael Kelly pulled up in his car and a staff member wearing a mask and gloves asked him to hand her his hearing aid through the window. Can you give me your left one? Because I think I need to change the tubing on that real quick. At 80, Kelly says he's very concerned about getting COVID-19 and is grateful for the drive-up option. There's no contact and uh, I feel very safe. This was a rare outing for Kelly. He spent most of the year home with his wife. You know, you, you feel confined, but uh, we're following the rules, basically. Hopefully it'll be all over soon, but you don't know. Coronavirus cases have spiked in many parts of the country and among VA patients. Paula Myers, chief of the Tampa VA's audiology section, says she's not ready to ease restrictions. Flu season is just around the corner. Bars have just opened in our community. Um, we don't know if there's going to be a huge second wave all of a sudden. So while we have this process that veterans finally know is this is how it is for right now, we want to sustain that for right now. VA officials say despite the need for caution, it's important veterans don't avoid care. They encourage vets to stay in touch with their providers to ensure they get the help they need. I'm Stephanie Colombini in Tampa. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.